Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Jody, um, I guess about Thursday, he um, this week has sort of been fighting a cold and his voice was like, you know, and um, he's like, I don't think I can do Sunday. He looked at me, I'm like, I know what that means. Okay, so I'm actually really honored um, to be here. And if we could just take a minute to pray. Lord, I just thank you for this time together. Lord, um, I understand that James reminds us what a responsibility teaching is. And so I pray that you help me. Um, calm my nerves so that I can speak clearly and speak your words and not mine, Lord. And I just thank you um, for calming my heart right now and for opening hearts today so that we could listen and hear what it is that you have to say. And I'm so grateful for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 So I actually love the book of James. Um, It's full of imagery. You know, he talks about grass withering and flowers and horses and ships. And I just love it when you can read something and sort of just close your eyes and picture what he's talking about. And um, I think about the flowers in our yard and how beautiful they are for such a short amount of time, especially for the amount of work that you put into it. I feel like if they could just last a little longer, you know, but they're so beautiful. And then you go out the next day and it's like they're wilting and turning brown. And you're like, what in the world happened, you know? But things in this life are temporal. Things in this world, they come and they go. They may come back next season, but they don't last forever. Um, But I find it interesting that Jesus actually came into the world and did something miraculous so that we can have eternity within us. And we become this firstborn, James tells us, of this new creation, of this new kind of human. And this new kind of human, if we're a different kind of human that's reborn on the inside then we really should look different. Not physically, but what we do, what we say, how we pray for people, how we respond to things, really should be affected by this new person on the inside of us. And that's what James is all about. And I love James um, also because it feels like this challenge Who in here likes challenges? Okay, so Jody and I have been married about 19 years in November, and I think it took him 18 to realize, like, not to question my plans, because I do tend to bite off more than I can chew, but I still believe I can do it. Like, don't tell me I can't. Like, if you do, you better watch out, because I might hurt everything in the way and break a few things, but it will get done. And so there's this phrase, and I don't know if you hear it in your family, but it's kind of like, okay, I start this plan, and I'm like, okay, Jody, I've got this idea. He's already like, oh, brother. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this and this, and I, I can see, I can see this, this. And he looks at me and he's like, are you serious? No, 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 no. 
do not say that to me because I am serious. I am serious. And I feel like James, when I read the book of James, he's kind of saying, but are you serious? Do you really take this walk seriously? Are you really a new person? Are you just like talking? He's more interested in our demonstration than our declaration. You know, he's like, are are you serious? Is this real to you? Or is this just some kind of game? And James, so to just to give a little bit of background, you may hear him called Jacob if you look back in the Hebrew and everything. Um, and if you're following along with those papers we have, you will see that the other name is Jacob. But we say James, so I'm going to talk about, I'm going to use James today. Um, but James was actually the half-brother of Jesus. And James became um, the leader in Jerusalem of this mother church. So the first real Christian movement within the church, you know, a lot of the um, other people kind of went out to spread the good news. And so James is here and he becomes this leader for about 20 years. He's this leader. And so he understands that the people that he is writing to are enduring great hardships, are enduring persecution. In fact, I think it was in 62 AD, um, James was actually killed by the religious leaders. So he understands what they are going through. He understands that life can be hard. And just because you become a Christian does not mean that life becomes easy. You're free, but it's not easy. And so James is speaking. We look in um, the beginning of James and it says that this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. So he knew that there were hardships. He knew that people were being moved around and things were just tough. But he also knew that our Christian life had to be more than just words. That in order for us to survive, and I don't mean physically necessarily, but to keep our faith intact, there's something about discouragement in our faith if we don't grow up. And he knew that these trials, these things that they were facing, would allow them to mature. And so he is sort of giving this, are you serious? Do you really want to keep the faith? If so, some things have got to change. And so as a Christian, there are some things that our faith should, should dictate should dictate how we think. It should dictate how we act. It should dictate how we speak. And it should dictate how we pray. Our faith, what we know of God, what we believe from Scripture, should affect what we do. Now let me be clear, because sometimes we get confused. That does not mean that your salvation comes by works. I think we all know that, but it bears repeating. God, what what Jesus came to do, brought you your salvation. You receive it. But what we do is evidence of what he's done. 
We should look different than the world. We should. And so that's what James is telling us, and he's wanting to talk to um, in uh, to these this groups of these tribes of Jewish believers and saying, listen, some things should be different. If you're going to survive, if you're going to keep the faith, you have to do some things differently. And so it's a lot about consistency of character because it was also affecting the people around them, and he knew that. And so in light of his history, being the half-brother of Jesus, of course, he heard a lot of Jesus. Um, he grew up on um, what we call Old Testament scripture. So there's a lot of wisdom in this book. It's only five chapters, so it's not very long, but it is chock full of wisdom. A lot of um, Proverbs you'll, you'll recognize as you read James. And so <clears throat> he pulls from the Old Testament. You hear about Abraham, Rahab, Job, um, Elijah. And so a lot of times we don't, because of our new covenant and our freedom, we sometimes don't really want to think about the Old Testament um, because it's messy. Uh, who really, the Old Testament is messy, really. I mean, the New Testament is too. The whole Bible's messy. But the Old Testament is really messy. But I kind of found it interesting as I was listening to some books that one of the first things um, that Mueller, who was under Hitler, one of the first things that he did was to try to get rid of the Old Testament. Well, that's interesting. Why? Because people don't want roots. People want to move around, shift, and just sort of go where we want to go and not worry about being rooted and grounded. The Old Testament is like a root system. And it digs deep into the origins and messiness of our existence. And yet it holds vital information for us to withstand storms. And for me, it brings encouragement because my life is messy. I'm like, if the Bible's messy, my life's messy, okay, we're in good company. And so, you know, there's some really crazy stuff in the Old Testament, and it is messy, but it's also beautiful. God takes the messy and he makes it beautiful. There is a, a, there's actually a bunch of oak trees on our property and I think they have a picture. This is, this picture is not of one on my property, but, um, several years back, I was, um, going through a really, really tough time. And just sort of like, you know, how you feel like, oh, the world is coming to an end. Like nothing will ever be the same, you know. And I'm like having this whole pity party thing going on. And so the Lord was like, just go to this tree. So this one particular tree on our property. And so I go and I just make this like big mark on it. Like this big, I don't know if I was just frustrated. I don't know. Big mark on it. And I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, I believe you're going to see me through And it was just a couple of, uh, maybe months ago, the Lord said, you need to go back to that tree. I was like, okay, you know. And so actually I couldn't get to it because of the flood and everything. There is literally chaos around this tree. There are weeds and thorns and, I mean, it's just a mess. But Jody is working. That's one reason his throat, he's been in the cold working on this machine this week. But he's been working, trying to clear out. And I thought, I'm going to get to this tree. And so I'm walking and put on my, you know, camo leggings. I've got to be woodworthy, cute. You know, you got to at least look the part to go into the woods. 
So here I am, put on my muck boots. Okay, I'm prepared. I am ready. And here I go, you know, chomping through the, the woods here. And I cannot get to this tree. I cannot. I mean, like physically, I would have literally torn my cute camo leggings up if I had tried to get to this tree. But I can see it. And it's still there. And it was like the Lord just spoke to my heart. See, that's my wisdom. There's chaos all around it. There's thorns. There's prickly stuff. Things that hurt. But I'm still standing. My wisdom, my goodness, my love for you does not change. And these roots that we have will go deep so that when the storms come, we will not move. There's a scripture in Isaiah that I would like to read to you. And I know I put it in here. Um, it's Isaiah 61, 3. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. And in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. If we want to show his glory... We've got to be the ones planted. We have got to be the ones that aren't moving all the time with every little thing. Worried about everything that's going on around us because there is a lot to worry about if you want to go there. The world that we live in is acting crazy, right? But we can be oaks of righteousness Showing his splendor to the world. And so I don't know about you, but that's my desire, is to be an oaks of righteousness. So, number one, we must think differently. We must think differently. That's why we have to read the word, so that our soul and our mind can be changed. It can be be transformed with the renewing of his word. We must think differently. And so James tells us in verse 2, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes the enemy can use scripture against me. You remember when Jesus was in the wilderness and the enemy kept trying to quote scripture and he's like, but, you know. Sometimes the enemy can try to use scripture to shut me down. Because I can read this word perfect, you'll be perfect and complete, and I'm like, well, forget it. Why am I even reading this? Because there is no way I can be perfect. Lord, you know that. I cannot be perfect. But that is not exactly what this means. It actually means mature or wholeness. He wants us to mature, and he wants us to be whole. It's not perfect in the sense that we don't make mistakes. But we can be mature and still make mistakes sometimes. I should be different today than I was yesterday. I should be have grown up a little bit. Not always, but we try for that. We try to grow up in Christ, right? So perfect. Don't let that don't let little things like that hang you up because they will hang me up. Peacemakers, another word. Being a peacemaker, I thought I had to make everybody happy. 
Okay, that's not what it means, just in case you're wondering, because I thought, oh, I gotta make, like, I gotta please it, and I will, like, literally almost kill myself, and that's not what it means. So don't let the enemy take scripture and shut you down, okay? Figure it out. Ask the Lord for wisdom. He will show you what it means. The word should never shut you down or discourage you. It should be challenging. But it's truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay, so we have to think differently about trials. We have to think differently. When a trial comes, it's easy for me to just panic and freeze. Like, what do I do now? Like, Jody, where are you? Like, come help. That's usually what I do. But the Lord is saying here through James, trials will come. Don't be surprised. But think about the opportunity in them. What are people seeing in your life? What is God growing in you? They are opportunities for you to be splendor. For you to show people his splendor. Not easy, but it is joyful. And you will see God's goodness in every situation So we must think differently about trials. Character that is never tested has no value. Isn't that true? Character that is never tested has no value. I'd much rather get advice from someone who has been tested on many levels and has made it through than from someone who's never been through anything. I don't need your advice. I need someone who's been there, done that. That has been tried and true. Maybe made some mistakes. That doesn't bother me. But you're still here. That's what I need to know. Okay. So we must think differently about trials. We also must think differently about wisdom. In verse 5 it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. And in verse 17, it says, Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Now, in many other translations, this actually reads the Father of lights. So this made me think back a little bit in the Old Testament about Urim and Thummim. Have you ever read about that? There was something that um, they would have, many people believe it was gemstones, um, that the high priest would wear in his breastplate on the ephod. And um, it, it's, it was actually, it's actually translated lights and perfections. So anytime im, I am is on the end, you know that that's plural. So lights and perfections. And so they would come before and they would ask a question. It'd have to be yes or no. And they would say like, okay, for example, like, do we uh, need to go into battle with this tribe or whatever? Yes or no. And somehow God would give them the answer through this Urim and Thummim. I'm probably not saying that right. Urim and Thummim. And so I was thinking about this. Like God would give them these answers. Now we don't have that. But we can go straight to him, the father of lights. That means, so no shifting shadow. Think about how the earth is rotating, we're orbiting. So, you know, there's day and there's night. We have more light, we have less light. There's all these shadows that happen day and night. But what he's saying is there is no shifting shadow. 
No matter whether the earth is turning, no matter whether it's day or night, no matter if you're on the western side of the world or the eastern side of the world, no matter where you are, what time of day, God has the answer. And so I, I um, sent a picture of the seal um, or the coat of arms for Yale. It's interesting. This is actually, these Hebrew words are Urim, Thummim, lights and perfections. Interesting, right? So then above it, they have the Latin, which translate light and truth. And this challenges me because I read James and then I see this from a university. And I think, you know what? Sometimes I get so bogged down with all the knowledge I'm trying to give my children. Now, if you ask my children today, they will probably roll their eyes. If you ask them, is your mom a learner? They'll be like, oh my goodness, is she ever? Like everywhere we go, we have to learn something. And that's just how they feel about me. But the truth is I'm trying to give them knowledge. I'm trying to make them excited about learning because I love to learn. But you know what? The number one thing that I know I have to teach my children is to go to the Father of Lights. If they learn everything from every school on the face of this planet, but they do not know how to hear his voice, I have failed. More than anything, I want them to know what he is asking them to do. That is the most important knowledge that I can give them. And right here it says, ask. Ask me. He'll give you the wisdom that you need no matter what it is, day or night, where you are. It doesn't matter. He's the father of lights. He created all light. He is light. And he's the father of lights, the father of all the answers. So we've got to think differently about trials. We have to think differently about wisdom We have to think differently about anger. Okay, who sees angry people all the time? I feel like I see angry people all the time. And it scares me a little bit. And I'm trying to be this oak, you know, but I'm like, oh, they're fighting. Let's go this way, you know. Um, uh, Piper and I were actually in a store the other day. And these two people just started fighting in the front of the store. And it's interesting, for someone that's not used to that, what happens in your heart is like this, I don't know, like I feel like, you know, that stretchy man, like everything's just like pulling apart inside me. And I'm like, oh, we got to get out of here. I just don't like that. But it's interesting what James says about anger. In chapter 1, verse 19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to get angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Is that not what we are seeing everywhere we go? People are angry about everything. And you know it's because of hurts in their life and bitterness and, I mean, but just, it's just anger. And is it getting us anywhere? No. No one is willing to compromise. No one is willing to listen. No one is willing to find common ground. It's all about, you're wrong, I'm right. And we're just angry. Now, there's something to say about righteous indignation. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is just being flat out angry, and it will not produce the righteousness, the oaks of righteousness that God desires. 
So we have to think differently about anger. And then the last one about thinking is that we have to think differently about our schedules. Our schedules. Now, I'm not a great planner. I wish I was. Um, I'm sort of fly by the seat of my pants kind of girl. So, um, you know, I just sort of go where the wind takes me most of the time. Um, I really do wish I was better at that. But the one thing that I don't want to do is not submit my plans to him. Because we can get really busy planning, planning, planning programs, things that are good, things that we believe are godly, but not be what he asked us to do. And so in James 4, he says, look here, verse 13, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year, we will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. What is the Lord wanting you to do? Every day with the Lord is an adventure. There are surprises at every turn if we're willing to look for them. Now, if we've got our set plan in place and we're like, zoom, nothing. My my daughter, she's like, you got to be zoom, zoom. Come on, zoom, zoom. I'm like, okay, let's zoom, zoom, you know. But if I'm all the time zoom, zoom, I can't see what God is trying to tell me to talk to this person or to go over here. Or, But his plan is what should be on my mind. What does he want me to do today? Is there someone he wants me to talk to? Is there somewhere he wants me to go? What does he want me to do? I can have all the plans in the world, but if they're not submitted to him, I am wasting my time. Because he's the one that can redeem the time. He's the one that can make us more effective, more efficient. And when we follow his plan... It's interesting, you can look back and say, oh my goodness, how in the world did I get all that done? Only God. It's true. Try it. From the time the sun comes up in the morning to the time the moon comes out at night is an opportunity to hear the Lord asking you to do something. Every day is an opportunity for adventure with him. We can't forget that. We are eternal beings. We're not here just for this world, just for this life. We are here to do his work. We are now in a new kingdom. We have a new ruler. And he's the one that dictates our plans, our movements, and what we do every day. So, we're going to think differently about our schedules Number two, we must act differently. This one's pretty self, you know. How do we treat people? James 2, 1 says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal laws found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. This is the royal law. Came straight from the king. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here, just some, just out of the top of my head, some things that are opportunities for division right now. Wealth, class, culture, race, mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine, politics, public school, private school, Alabama, Georgia. The list goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Like, 
There are so many ways to be divisive. So many ways. But he just says, love people. Love people. Now, let me just say this because I had to learn this the hard way. Loving people does not mean you let them run over you. Okay? Loving people does the best thing for the person and for you at that moment. Sometimes that's hard. I love my children. It would be a lot easier just to let them do whatever they want to so I can go, like, veg out at the TV or something. Like, it would be way easier. But is that really going to produce the fruit that God desires in my children? No, i got to stay on top of it. And it's hard. Motherhood is hard. Whether you have biological children or you are just mentoring people, it is hard and it's ugly and it's messy and it's... Just bleh. It's like muddy water. But you know what? That's love. When you get into where those roots are and that muddy mess, and you're searching for the water with your friends, with your children, you're growing down deep, and you're becoming sturdy and strong. Love does the best thing at the moment, whether people like it or not. Sometimes that means boundaries. Sometimes that means not letting them do certain things in your life. And that's okay. Okay? But how do we treat them? You can set boundaries and still love. That was really hard for me to understand. You can set boundaries. You can do the right thing. And say, I know this is difficult, but it really is because I love you. I know that sounds cliche, but it's true. I love you. So... We're going to act differently. In James 2.17, it says, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. And I had this picture in my mind of our physical brains. Our physical brains tell our body what to do. But if our brain isn't telling our body what to do, then we often say that we're brain dead. And so if you think about our faith, if our faith isn't affecting what we do, if we can't tell that our faith is active, then I'm wondering, is it dead? Are we faith dead? I don't want to be faith dead. I want to take this seriously. And then in 3.13, it says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. We are saved by faith, but our actions are the evidence of that salvation. Sometimes our actions betray what we say. And I'm speaking to myself. It's really hard to give this message because I keep like, Thinking of things like, oh, like that whole mirror thing. Like you see yourself and you're like, ooh, 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 ooh. Like I don't want to see that. But that's how we grow. That's how we grow. Last thing, we must pray differently. James 5.13 says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call from the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if, any, and if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other 
Okay, this, this is, this is hard. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. This picture from James is the community of believers. But in order for us to do this, we have to be a safe place. We have to do chapters 1 through 4 in order to do 5. Because if someone's going to come to me and say, look, I am dealing with this sin, they have to be able to trust me. They have to believe that I will pray for them and speak truth into their life without judgment. They have to know that I love them. They have to know that. A community of believers should be a safe place to say, I'm sick. I need prayer. I have sinned. Can you pray with me? Can you walk through this with me? Because as long as we leave things in the darkness over here inside of us, it's just slowly kind of kills us because sin kills But when we bring this to the light, to the Father of lights, and we do it in a safe environment, that's when things can be dealt with. It says so that you may be healed. Okay, yes, we need physical healing, but we need a different kind of healing too. Sin affects so much in our life. And when we're battling things and we're embarrassed and we're scared to tell anybody, we hold it in and it just slowly kills us until we don't even want to go to church anymore. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be able to come into this safe place and say, Hey friend, I really need to talk to you. I'm dealing with this. Can you pray with me? Can you believe with me that I know God has given me the power to overcome this? Not by myself, but with him. I know, I know. Well, you just pray with me and let's believe that this will be gone out of my life. But that embarrassment stops us so many times. Can I tell you we all have embarrassments? Can I tell you we all have issues, we all have struggles, but God wants us to mature and it takes each other. We need each other. We need safety. We need to be able to say, I don't want this in my life anymore. We need to be able to do that. And that's when we can come to the Lord and we can pray differently. We're not judging people. If they're coming to you, their heart wants it gone. We have to be here for each other. We have to be here to say... I'm, I'm with you. Yes, let's, let's pray about this. I want you healed. And so we get to pray differently. These new human creatures that we are, we get to be oaks of righteousness. We get to show his splendor. We get to be different to the world. We get to be of a different kingdom. And we should look different. So, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time together. Lord, I pray that we have been looking in a mirror today, just like you say that your word is. And 
Lord, that you are showing us what we need to see. Lord, not out of guilt, not out of condemnation, but out of love. Because your love comes in and it wants to bring order to the disorder. Your love comes in and brings stability to the chaos. Your love is what we need. Your light, your wisdom is what we need. And so we ask you today, Lord, give us your wisdom. Lord, let us see what we need to see. We don't want things in darkness. We want things in the light so that we can deal with them, so that we can move forward and that tomorrow is better than today. I thank you, Lord, that you are with us through every trial, through everything that each person is going through today. Lord, you know them. You see them. You are the God who sees. And you know exactly the pain in their heart, those shattered places. And Lord, I pray for healing. Lord, I pray for comfort in their life, that you would bring the right people in their life that are safe. Lord, everyone needs safe people. And so I pray that in this messiness of the world that we can find those people that you have sent to us, that we can find the people that is our community of believers and we live this life together. And I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. I also want to pray if there's anyone who, you know, as I'm asking this question, are you serious? You're thinking, I'm not sure that I am. I'm not sure that I've really committed my life to the Lord. I want this to be your opportunity to say, yes, I am serious. No more playing games. This thing is real. And I want it to be real Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every day, not just on Sunday. And so if that's you, if you would just repeat after me as the whole church is going to repeat after me. Dear Lord, I come to you. And I ask your forgiveness. I know I'm a sinner. And I know that you sent your son to save me. That there is nothing I can do to earn my salvation. But I receive it in the name of Jesus. You are now the Lord of my life. Right. If anybody you did that, I'm so, so excited for you because you are now a new kind of human. And it's exciting. And so tomorrow, well today even, starts a new adventure for you. And I cannot wait for you to see what that's like. It's not easy. But it is awesome. And so I will pray then the, the blessing over you. If they'll put it up because I'm nervous and I can't think of even how it starts. So if you've got, oh, there it is. Yes. Praise the Lord. All right. So I'm going to pray this over you. As you go today, I'm so thankful for you, first of all. And I pray that you have a wonderful week as you go into this holiday season, that your schedules will be determined by God's schedule, right? Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. Amen. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. 
Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.